We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. People are expecting. People are expecting quite a bit. This is your time. You want to win. You're going to be like this. There are no shortcuts in life. You'll get better because you make each other better. The inches we need are everywhere around us. I know plenty of people that are capable. I know fewer people that are willing. You have to believe it to do it. Now, what are you going to do? Hey, welcome in everybody to another episode of Sideline Sessions here on the B Podcast Network. Really pleased to have you here to discuss a new and important topic today, something that is unique in this season of the show, but something that I think we'll be talking a lot about in the future. It's so valuable to student athletes in particular and to parents and coaches. Our topic today is about college recruiting. And my guest, Jeff Howell, has spent a lot of time working on this often complex and hard-to-access process. It's evolving a lot in the past decade or so, so there's really a lot to get to know. And after helping his oldest son land a Division III college football, at a Division III college football program, Jeff uses his knowledge of the college sports recruitment process to help other student-athletes and their families navigate the process. So, Jeff, really great to have you here on Sideline Sessions. Hey, thank you, Ross. I'm glad to be here. I gave a little bit of that intro there about how you kind of got involved with it through your son, but sure. I'd love to give have you give a little more of an overview of what kind of got you into the process that you're in now, where you've done a ton sure. of research, put together a lot of resources, and really dug into this process. It, it, we kind of jumped into the process uh, somewhat late in the game, only because we had transferred schools from one program to another here in mid-Michigan, and at the previous program, there just wasn't a lot of opportunity, I guess is the way to say it, for Joe to really show, showcase his skill set. So we went to a, a competing school, kind of still within the conference. It's a private Catholic school. And they just, it, it was immediate, the change in in Joe and his, his willingness to kind of put in the work. So it wasn't until his junior year, about halfway through his junior year, we started to like really consider, hey, maybe let's see if we can get college paid for through some athletics. And he already already was a super smart kid, already had a great GPA. So that wasn't going to be an issue, but he wanted to be able to play post-high school sports. And he legitimately could have also played basketball too, but it was, football was the sport that he chose. The genesis of this whole consulting that I do really came down to, I was doing a lot of research and I was finding that there wasn't one place where all this information was held. You can genuinely go to like NCSA or some other 
program like that where you can pay and have somebody help you with the process. And that's all well and good. And there's nothing wrong with that process if you're a parent and you just don't have the time and you have the means to be able to afford it. But I felt that it was important for us, for Joe and I, to go through this process together because we're big on relationships. And I really feel as though that if you start the process and you start building chips and a relationship with the coaches and the recruiters of those programs, then the relationship becomes that much more valuable. And so it necessarily isn't just about the program that you're a part of, but it's the relationship with the coaches that you have that also can be part of the catalyst for making your decision of what program to to go to. I do. I did a ton of research, finding out what to do, started following some other people that were in the similar space that I'm in with trying to help parents navigate this process. And there were three things that I found that needed to happen immediately. The first thing was identifying what level Joe wanted to be able to play at or what level Joe could play at. He certainly was getting a little bit of attention from, from some D1 programs, but not very many, a couple of D2 and a lot of D3. And so we had to be kind of honest with ourselves about, look, every parent wants their kid to go play for Alabama or Georgia or someplace in the SEC or Big Ten or one of the, the Power Five conferences. Great. Yeah, it's good to have those goals. But the, the, the truth is that isn't realistic for everybody. And so we kind of just had to be honest about what kind of level do you think Joe could play at? So we said that, okay, probably some D2 schools and definitely D3. And NAIA, don't sleep on them. They, they're a good program too. Good, a good college athletic program, really good competition in some conferences. So what I found was the first thing to do was to identify the program and get those recruiting questionnaires done. It's the first thing to do. Get your name out there, get your huddle reel out there, get your stats out there. Just get your name on these lists of these coaches so they can go out and do some of their own due diligence and kind of do some research about you. The second thing, almost concurrently, so like 1A is recruiting questionnaires, 1B is getting a solid X profile. And concurrently with that would be also getting a profile on NCSA. Now, you don't have to pay for it. And you are going to get a lot of phone calls from agents trying to sell you on their service, which is fine. I mean, you just can either not answer or just sort of ignore them. But the cool thing about NCSA, at least their online profile, is that it it's another avenue that coaches can identify you as a potential athlete. So you need to have that, full, that fully completed, all your stats, what you're looking for, a personal statement with a photograph and your huddle reel links and all that kind of stuff. So you want to have that profile completed as well as an X profile, which will have your stats on there in your Twitter bio, your X bio, a link to your huddle highlight reel. And then in a pin post, make sure you put your most recent, that doesn't have to be game film, but put your most recent set of highlights together. And that's also super important because there are some parents who think that you got to have something super polished, high production value with a lot of graphics and embellishments, but that is not true. Most coaches don't care about that. All they want is they want your player highlighted at the start of the play, let the play run, and then stop, go to the next play. That works for basketball, baseball, volleyball, any sport where you've got a specific play that they can follow the player around. You don't need to have music, don't need to have graphics, just let the play run and so they can follow you and so you can showcase your skills. 
So all of that has to be within your online profile. And then, then once you get your recruitment questionnaires going and you have a bunch, you've got solid social profiles on NCSA and, and X, then you just start following the heck out of coaches. It doesn't matter if you think that you're going to be a part of their program. It doesn't matter if you want to move to California and you start following California coaches. It doesn't matter. The reason why you want to follow as many as possible is because the more activity that X sees that you're doing, the more likely it is that they might put your profile in a recommended to follow section. And recruiters look for that. They'll start following people. Then they go to that recommended section and then they start seeing, hey, I need an offensive lineman that's six foot five in, in this weight. So here's one here. Let me click on his profile, take a look at his highlight reel. And if it's somebody that I'm interested in, I'm going to follow them, right? And then also make sure your DMs are open too. So you, you may, you, know, you can have security settings on your profile. That's great, but make sure your DMs are open so coaches can uh, easily send you a message if they want to. So those are the things that we did immediately were those three things. And in the middle of all that, trying to keep up with our highlight reels and trying to keep up with his good grades. You know, we mentioned, we were talking about this a little bit offline about sort of the grades that students sometimes have, and sometimes they're not the greatest. But what we found is that because the process has made it easy for athletes and, and parents to navigate, not easy, put the responsibility of the process back onto the parents and the students mostly, coaches can be a little bit more particular especially with D3 programs, since they don't have athletic money that they can provide, if they are going to do any scholarship money, they have to be academic. So specifically within the D3 ranks, they're looking for high GPA, high quality athletes that may not have the dreams of playing professionally, but they still want to play post high school. Those are great programs to go after. So in, in my son's instance, he had a 3.89 GPA. A lot of schools were going after him because of, they liked his athletic ability plus his academics. And the program that we ended up settling on wasn't quite a full ride, but it was a lot. <laughs> and it was yeah. great because not only is it a great program and very competitive program, and it's in a large city, which is what he wanted. It's also he's getting a great education because of the work that he put in. And now a quick break for a word from our sponsor, MyFlex Learning. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it totally worth exploring. There's more time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students and the increased engagement that comes along with it, dedicated time for intervention, and overall, as school leaders, it provides you and your faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But... The implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold you back from ensuring students make good use of their time. That's why I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with the seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. If you want to see for yourself, visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE 
You'll learn all about MyFlex Learning, what it can do for your school, and you'll receive a $500 off offer for your first year. Check it out. I always encourage parents and student athletes, like, look, if you're not the greatest student, find a way to get tutored, find a way to increase your GPA, because that's going to make the net wider for you. There are a lot of D1 programs that don't necessarily care as much about the GPA as they do about the the athletic prowess. But even then, the point I was going to get to before is that at all levels of college athletics, coaches are, are being a lot more picky on the GPA than they used to be. Because it one, it isn't quite as easy to hide the GPA anymore like it used to be. But there are a lot of metrics that that institutions are gauged on based on their student body cumulative GPA. And they don't want to risk the potential of maybe losing out on funding or losing out on booster money because the, the cumulative GPA has been dragged down because of a couple athletes that couldn't hack it. So they're, so having your grades at a high level is really important as well. Yeah. How different is the process in different sports? I mean, yeah. for example, in division one, you have your quote unquote, right? Revenue generating versus non-revenue generating sports. Mm -hmm. You have individual versus team sports, some of which even I might imagine, particularly in that process of ascertaining what level could you realistically compete at and what's the best fit and all that in a sport like, say, swimming, it may be a little more straightforward because if you have the times that match up and you versus a a sport like football that's so team dependent it might be harder to get a read on okay well where am I going to best fit in but how does that that process really differ and particularly part of it of course being sports that have more scholarship money available than others but there's also a variety of other factors sure sure that's a great question and has been asked of me a few times and so my experience primarily is in football and basketball okay but what I have found just sort of digging into this with other coaches and talking to other coaches, the process of finding coaches and sharing information hasn't changed. Okay. Like swimming, as an example, you may or may not find a bunch of swimming coaches on X. Okay. But you're going to find their email on the athletic website. Okay. And to your point about individual statistics, you're going to catalog those no matter what right? Those statistics are going to be available to share at every meet, okay? And the same with these high school coaches, they're going to record film, right? If they're not, then they have a problem in their program that they need to fix. But if for some reason a coach is not capturing film of your athlete, then use your phone. You know, there there are so many, the cameras and phones nowadays are so good and also you just get a simple like a simple gyroscope handle to kind of keep it steady and use something like iMovie that's a that's, that's a native app on your on your iPhone and just smash some clips together okay it it isn't that difficult to do or or find somebody who can help you with that either way if if you're if your coach isn't capturing film you can do it yourself pretty easily but the film plus statistics and an email that you can get from the college athletic website of whatever program you're interested in, again, low barrier to entry, okay? Now, I don't necessarily know 
how many you know tennis or swimming coaches are out there on Twitter or X looking for athletes. But again, they're going to find them anyway, somehow, whether it be going to different tournaments, camps, but also if you can't find that coach that you want to go after on, on social media, you're going to find their email pretty quickly. And then you just connect with them that way. Okay. There's always a way to connect with a coach. And again, if, if you're in a sport that is more individually based, you know, tennis, swimming, track and field, your video and your stats are still valuable and they can still be shared. You just got to find the right Avenue. Is there general kind of rule of thumb for how early um, student athletes and parents should start this process depending the, of course I think we find that in certain high profile cases the recruiting is beginning earlier and earlier for kids but right. you know for most it's not necessarily that early but are right. we talking kind of freshman year sophomore junior mm -hmm. what do you think I guess it depends on skill set and ability right so there there's a well last year he was a freshman on my son's varsity basketball team really good and he was going to to camps as early as he could so the summer between his eighth and ninth grade year he was going to some basketball camps to get some exposure and just to get some ideas of what coaches are looking for so he could work on his game okay this past summer is is kind of when he started to you know, start sending out some information to coaches. Okay. I think that's a good time to start. So what I tell parents who ask this question, no matter what sport it is, between your freshman year and your sophomore year, find some camps. There's tennis camps, basketball camps, football camps, bowling camps. Those are out there. They may be few and far between, but they're out there. I've seen them. Just go to some of those camps and as, and then really as many as you can either comfortably afford financially or afford time time wise and try and find some camps that have the maximum amount of colleges there specifically foot basketball and football you'll have maybe one school or even a high school in some cases that will host you know half a dozen to a dozen college football or basketball programs and those programs will kind of help facilitate you know they'll do they'll do some drills like a combine kind of thing they might do some individual, you know, indie drills, depending on position. And then they'll just kind of do some 1v1s kind of thing. And just get some experience for your first set of camps between your freshman and sophomore year. Plus, you'll also get coaches information. You'll get some coaches you can follow on X or social media. And the parents can can get on the field too after all of the the, the camp is done and just ask questions. Ask coaches what you're looking for. You know, how how many times can I contact you? If I have any questions, who can I go to? Um, you know, you have you, those camps are really good for parents, too, because they then parents have the chance to go out and ask some questions of coaches who are really doing this process. But the the more the higher up in level you get. So between sophomore and junior year, junior and senior year, or you don't want to go to more camps and you want to go to bigger camps with bigger schools. Right no matter which program that you're sort of thinking about, because you never know, you might get in front of a D one coach and they're like, Oh dude, I wouldn't have found you if you hadn't come to this camp. Right. Mm -hmm. So even though, and I said earlier about it doesn't necessarily matter, you know, what level, because all levels 
one, two, three, and NAI are pretty good competition. There's always that op- there's always that chance, and you might want you want to give yourself that opportunity to get in front of a higher level coach, right? right. There was a, a D1 program in Minnesota that we went to a camp to, and I happened to have a connection with somebody who was friends with the head coach, but you know we wouldn't have had the opportunity to go to this camp, and he wouldn't have got any D1 exposure from another school if he hadn't gone to this camp, right? So you just never know. He wanted, and you want to try to give yourself as much opportunity to get in front of as many coaches as possible, but camps are the way you do that. Yeah, and as far as the, yeah, right, the positioning of putting yourself in the right place to be yeah. not only seen and noticed, but appropriately evaluated, right? I mean, these camps exactly. are a big part of it, and particularly because of the concentration of coaches that are there and then who can mm-hmm. see you at once, but also because of potentially the level of competition, right. And the talent that you're right. competing against. Then if they, you know, again, going back to the difference between different sports, right. If it's track and field or swimming or there's, it doesn't, you can be the only one in the pool or on the track right. and your time is your time. Even other individual sports like tennis, you reference, right. You're like, well, who am I competing against, right? Are they right. any good? We don't know right. this. Basketball, football, baseball, and so on, right? A lot of times you may have this really elite talent athlete, but they're playing in a, a league or a program that's not uh, known for having the highest level of competition. Right. It's hard to evaluate. Part of it is one, how essential are those camp type opportunities? Two, you also mentioned earlier about your son transferring high schools, right? And going into a better position for him. Right. What kind of things, opportunities like that are available for parents maybe to be evaluating and looking mm-hmm. at, okay, if I have a couple of school options available to me, whether it's a couple of different public or private or charter, whatever, but looking at, okay, what's their, what are their programs like? What's their track record with mm-hmm. student athletes matriculating to the next level or those kind of things yeah. where there may be some opportunity either entering high school or inside high school to say, look, we've determined that we, our goal is to play export at the college level. And yeah there's a better place to be better positioned to make that happen than where we are right now. That That's a great question. And our experience was um, Joe happened to take his sophomore year off of football. And that was also during COVID. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that if he had played, he would have had to set out his junior year because of, of Michigan athletic rules. So, so the first answer to your question is contact your state athletic association and find out what rules they have. Different states will have different rules on, on how you can handle transferring. For instance, we transferred from one school to the other within the same athletic conference during basketball season. And the rule was that because we were transferring to a school outside of the district, but within the same conference, he could play immediately. Weird, but that's that was a rule. But it didn't translate to football because he would have because if he had played sophomore year and transferred same school or same conference to a different school, he would have had to sit out. Okay, so like I said, the first 
place to go is to your state school athletic association, ask those questions and find out what is, what's, what the possibilities are. Sometimes they'll be more lenient and sometimes they'll be more strict, but that's the first place to go. And they can be strange, right? If I recall correctly, don't quote me on this list, but I, I, if I remember like when I was in the high school in New Jersey, the rule was that, and this was transferring between, at least between public schools, maybe between schools, that mm-hmm. the student athlete had to sit out the first 30 days of the season of their first sport. Right. So if you played football in the fall and sat out 30 days and then played basketball, you didn't have to sit out the basketball season. Right. You know, there's right. right. stuff right. like that that seems kind of arbitrary, right? Right. And also, but also depends on, especially with larger cities, New York, New Jersey, for instance, you have so many high schools that are put together, but there are different classes, right? So if you, or classes or divisions. So, so in Michigan, for instance, I know that this happened once where a kid that was in Grand Rapids. So he started out at a, I think it was a division one or division two, a big school, right? Because he was going to a D4 outside of a completely different conference, completely different division, but still within the city limits, he could play. But if he went to a competing school within the same division, then he would have had to sit out a year. Like it, this, those rules are, it, they seem arbitrary and I don't know, but anyway, the important thing is just check, check with your state athletic association. Do you have a feeling about, you know, a part of that process, of course, about where, what programs are succeeding in this regard and not has to do with coaching staff and the administration and yeah. it could be the athletic department as a whole or the staffs of particular teams and the things that they're mm-hmm. doing to inform and equip athletes and their families and you know help them with the process and relatedly and, and this is something that I've noticed the variance in it right how different it can be from program to program or even within a program between multiple coaching staffs how successful they are at you know helping their student athletes Right. find college placements, but because it, it relates to me, I, I hadn't necessarily thought of it as much in this regard. And I don't know how often coaches talk about it in this way, although I'm sure some do, the ones who are doing, you know, when we talk about schools, right, what is the purpose mm-hmm. of school and the, and the purpose of our schooling system It's to prepare students to be successful in the next phase of their life, whether that's college, career, or other aspects of life, right? It's not... Right. The purpose is not, you know, just so they're successful in my class right now. It's so that they learn what they need to learn in my class so that in the future they can apply those skills to what they want to do. Now, in sports, of course, we we often have a, you know, a little more of a, a myopic view on that. And the coaches are meant to, sure, teach fitness and sportsmanship and these kind of things, but they're trying to win, right? And look yeah. at what do I need to do? to have my team succeed and what are the academic requirements for my student athletes to be eligible to play on my team even if those requirements are a lower threshold than what would prepare them to go to the college and things like that but do you have a an opinion really i mean on the responsibility but also the opportunity that high school coaches have to become better at this right to become yeah. more informed involved and to be able to help their student athletes more directly even though student athletes and their parents don't necessarily need the coach right but some of them will because they're not everybody's yeah. able to do it on their own 
I have kind of a mixed opinion on that because coaches are all going to have their biases, no, no matter what level or what sport. So I would almost prefer that the coaches sort of have a general idea of how the process works versus really hand-holding the athlete through the process because you want to have the athlete pick their program that is right for them, not because the coach, the high school coach of whatever sport it is, the varsity coach is a trusted ally. You know, you, you, at least you'd hope so. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a coach saying, Hey, I've got a connection with XYZ university. You could play there, right? The student is going to inherently going to limit their opportunities because they're going to say, well, the coach can get me into XYZ university so I can play. Well, yeah, and that could happen and you could play there and you could have a good time and it may be the right fit. But conversely, if you're limiting your opportunity or your availability because you want to listen to your coach, you may miss out on a program that could definitely use your skill set or miss out on a program that that academically is a better fit or puts you in an environment where you can thrive more and another thing. So I almost don't want the varsity coach to be responsible for that responsibility. It, it really still comes down to the parent and the athlete navigating this on their own or with some help, like through a consultant like myself or through a service like NCSA, then it, it kind of takes some of the biases out of the process. That's just um, kind of my thought on it. Yeah. Uh, relatedly, and maybe this is an area that, that could fit into that purview. Is there kind of a, a short, like a basic checklist of things that the college programs are looking for? The obvious ones, of course, being size and stature and, sure. and what they perceive your talent to be, but also yeah. there's a variety of other factors that that student-athletes need to be able to convey. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we were told from the then head co football coach at Grand Valley State at a camp that we went to that they look for character. So this kind of ties into things that you post you know, you don't want to post stupid stuff on your ex profile or your Instagram. If if they have any interest in you as a, as an athlete, the next thing that they do is they contact the school. They talk to your coach. They talk to teachers. They might talk to the principal or the headmaster or or whatever, right? Just to find out a little bit of information about is this individual a good character individual? And how would they fit in our culture? That kind of thing. And so so the intangibles are just as important as the, the items that have metrics, you know? So I guess, that, I mean, there isn't necessarily a checklist. There's your athletic prowess, which is easy to quantify, right? You know, any kinds of stats, numbers, metrics, mm -hmm. that those are easy to acquire and to produce. But it, it's those more intangible things that a lot of coaches really look for and like when you go on to like an official visit and you have a conversation with them they don't care they don't necessarily they're not sizing you up they're not looking to see well how is he going to fit on our offensive line or how is he going to look in the low post or what's he going to be as a two guard right they're not looking at that 
they are looking at how you interact with your parents, how you interact with everybody else, eye contact, how you answer questions, how well-spoken you are. You know, those types of things are are just as, as important and to, to a coach. And I know that they look for that. Whether or not they say it, you know that they do. Yeah. yeah. And they, and particularly as you move up the levels, right, you're getting into yeah. um, coaches whose focus and the metrics for their success and whether they get to continue to have their jobs right. are narrowed. It's around wins and losses. And no right. matter how talented you aren't much help to them, if you're ineligible or suspended uh, and also depending on the level, but certainly at these big programs, these coaches, you know, they have an ego, right. And they believe that they, right. you know, they can win with maybe an athlete that's slightly less talented, but that buys into their program, yeah. things like that. They're always going to respect talent, but between somebody who I think is a little bit more personally talented, but who doesn't right. seem like they're going to really buy into what we're doing here. They, they, I have character concerns about them and somebody well, else who I really think is going to be good in my locker room. I mean, they're, they're looking at all that kind of stuff because yeah. they have their pick. I only have so many spots, so many scholarships, you know, so many jerseys and, well, you know, I, I can well, choose who I want. Well, look at it this way. That is just, a, that's much more important now in the more, recent college athletics culture as it is, as it may have been in the past. I mean, look at Northwestern, look at Texas A&M, look at some of these other high profile programs that have had issues with hazing and, and the coaches and the coaching staff have paid the price for it. I mean, figuratively with their job, I mean, they're getting paid, so they don't care, but they don't have a job anymore. And so you're right that there are some coaches who may at a be may be at a high level that are maybe taking a harder look at the integrity of their players. Maybe they're more willing to bring in somebody to your point, as you said, who who may not be quite, you know, maybe their their forty time isn't quite as high, or maybe they can't squat quite as much, but they're a high integrity guy and they can play. So I'd rather have them on my roster than the kid who might cause me a problem in the locker room right but he's he's a five-star athlete and maybe i'll pass on that because i can't afford to have that that controversy on my hands um and i think that that's something that isn't well one isn't talked about a whole lot in college and the college sports programs these days if, if they are it's just about how awful it was at the coaches that happened but it isn't talked about as much that you've got to be have higher integrity if you're going to play and if you're going to be a part of these programs, no matter what level, you've got to you've got to be somebody who's going to represent the team, the school, the institution well. And it's a great I mean, it's a great lesson for young people to learn early on, uh, right. anyway. Because yeah. I, I work with a lot of uh, job seekers and through coaching and their what they're looking to do and then how they're looking to get hired. And this is a big thing right. that it's like. There's no company that's going to put this in writing, but every single hiring manager, if you're going to be part of their team, one of their determining factors is, do I want to be around this person every day? Right. Do I want this person to, do I want to spend eight plus hours a day around this person or do I not really like them? Right. And Right. Yeah. And when it comes down to especially those tiebreakers, there's a lot of talented people, a lot of people with ability. I'm going to go for the one that's a better culture fit yep. that is going to make my life easier. 
that I just makes my days better. These people, you're spending a lot of time together and it's all, it's a, in a locker room, there's a lot of dynamics. So I do, I want to introduce some elements in that are going to bring everybody else up or bring right. them down. And it's just a good thing to get used to that the, you're being looked at for this. And ultimately, and truthfully, and I've seen this with direct experience, even at the professional level, there are ways to predict quite accurately i'll give you for example in in baseball right with players at the minor league level controlling for their talent and ability but let's say you have a handful of players and they all have enough talent to make it to the major league level you mm -hmm. can predict with pretty good accuracy who's going to have the longer careers yeah and it has nothing to do with durability or anything like that it is, if there's a guy that coaches want to have on their team and in their clubhouse, they're always going to get another chance, right? They'll get right. traded to the next team because they'll say, oh, we want that guy over here. And, you know, they're, and it doesn't mean that they're the best player, but they're good yeah. enough to make positive contributions and Somebody always wants them around <laughs> yeah. versus others who they just run out of chances. Right. And it's just, mm -hmm. okay, well, we, when you're here and you're involved and you're performing great, but when you're in a slump, <laughs> you're, you're totally negative to the whole operation. Yeah. You know, one other important question I wanted to ask sure. is about red flags, you know, parents, student athletes who are navigating this process. Are there red flags to look out for? One, maybe it's from some of these third-party services that are going mm -hmm. to say, oh, you need us and blah, blah, and, and yeah. maybe you don't, or things to look out for or be cautious of from the universities or things where, for example, we've probably all heard horror stories of, you know, a kid who thought that their scholarship was locked up with a certain school and sure. it wasn't, yeah. things like that, that are really important to pay attention to and look out for. Yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, I'll just bring up money because that was the last point you brought up with scholarship money. So when it comes to scholarship money, and unless you have it on an official uh, piece of paper from the institution, it doesn't mean a damn thing, right? Coaches can say, hey, you're going to get a full ride. And it could even be in a letter. Or an email, hey, you're going to get a full ride. But until you've got you've got a, a piece of letterhead that's stamped from the financial office of financial aid from the institution, don't believe it. Okay. The other thing, a red flag, be would look look at the longevity of the staff at that institution, whatever program it is. If you've got somebody that that is that's really recruiting you hard and seems like a great guy, a great individual, we'll just say you know women's basketball, for instance, right? Take a look at the coach's history. You know, if she's only been there maybe two or three years, nothing wrong with that, but search for her and see how long she's been in other schools, right? If the school that she was at before there, before this one was one to two years, dig a little deeper, you know, maybe the maybe the school before that, she was there for 15, okay? But if you've got a coach that's been that's jumping around, that's a serious red flag mm -hmm. because they're not necessarily in it to help the program or the students. They're just either looking for the paycheck or they're looking for that clout of the institution that they're trying to go up to. So yeah, longevity, big red flag. Look at how long, how many winning seasons they've had. 
no matter the coaching staff, but just kind of look at their record over time. Ten, you take a block of five or ten years and kind of just look at their win loss record. If you're looking at individual support with individual contributions, swimming, track and field, whatever, kind of just look at the stats and kind of see where individuals have ranked in in certain certain events, you know, and see if any of them and then maybe the top ten, top twenty are individual contributors from that institution. If they're not, then maybe it's not the greatest program. Look at kind of you know, go to go to things like U.S. News or what's the other one? Another one that ranks institutions every year, but go to those. They usually have them ranked by the top two hundred or whatever in mm-hmm. in a variety of different categories. Okay, and just kind of see where that school ranks. That that may not matter to you. It mattered to us. So right. like Lake Forest is ranked in the top twenty five in a variety of metrics, and so that was important to Joe. So that that's another that could potentially be another red flag, and then another red flag would be how many majors and minors they might have, right? So they could have if it's, especially if it's a smaller D three program, then it looks good, right? But if they don't have the they don't have the major you want, then don't bother. Right? And some other schools kind of switch athletic. I mean. No, that's not a good example. I, there were a few like new newer NAIA schools that that mm-hmm. were kind of coming into NAIA that that we're looking at, and we're just like mm, hasn't been they haven't been around long enough, and so that's uh, something else to to consider. But I guess an, another red flag would be if you're getting a lot of communication, and they're kind of asking you to either provide a bunch of extra information like. When they ask for your transcript, that's okay. You got to send that to them because then they're, they're going, they're taking that to their admissions group to doing a pre-read on you and to kind of gauge whether or not you'd be accepted if you applied. And then also if they ask for financial information or your your EF, EFC number, which is your expected family contribution after you do the FAFSA, you want to let them get, have them that, give them that information so that they can help you with the admissions process. But if they ask for all that and then you don't hear from them, mm-hmm. or if they ask you for all that and then you don't get a, the, an offer to visit, or you don't get like the communication seems to drop off, one of two things is going on. Either there's lack of interest at at that point because maybe mm-hmm. that's maybe they don't think that you'd be able to be admitted, or two, maybe there's some upheaval in the coaching staff that you might want to try and follow up with that. Communication dropping off isn't a bad thing sometimes because it'll happen, right? right? Because sometimes coaches will get busy. They'll get, be in the middle of the football season or whatever sports season it is, and then they're busy with whatever. But if, if it goes a little bit too long and it's like you're not hearing anything, then, then something's up. Yeah, and it's at the very least something to be aware of, particularly in the middle of not only a you know a process that, can be a little confusing and not always totally clear, but also a a time that's exciting, right? So you're excited, Mm -hmm. you're interested, you have your hopes up, you're hoping for great outcomes and there might be a program you really like, but they decide at whatever point that they're not as interested in you. You want to kind of pay attention to be aware of that so that you're not limiting your options or or leaving yourself without an option, Mm -hmm. you know, just due to excitement, right? Or due right. to, yeah. you had, I had a couple of great initial interactions with them and then they didn't really get back to us. And, mm-hmm. you know, we know how communications can be. Unfortunately, the reality is that 
a lot of times news isn't delivered in a timely fashion when it's right we'll call it negative news right whether it's you applied for a job that you didn't get or a coach Mm -hmm. decides they're no longer recruiting you or whatever and you know just kind of staying on top of those things and continuing to follow up and stay Mm -hmm. engaged and evaluate your options and i'm sure particularly if there's for variants in the different types of schools that you're talking to, you maybe you're looking right. at schools at different levels, right? And you're still in the middle of trying to ascertain, mm-hmm. okay, which level am I really a fit at? Or what yeah. be? And those kind of things where it's a shifting landscape. Right? Well, that's one of the reasons why I say to, to, to keep up with it and to, and to follow and interact with as many coaches as you possibly can, because invariably when you have those, downtimes when you're not communicating with coaches that you really want to and you're still getting attraction and interaction with other coaches that you may not even have any intention of going to their program but it still feels good and can keep you motivated by at least still having those conversations you know when a coach comes out comes to you after maybe a few days of not having much twitter dm activity and a coach will come up and say hey your highlights fire Great. Interact with that. You know, just talk to them for a little bit to keep that, that those juices flowing and that, that motivation and that, and that desire to, to go play mm-hmm. alive because there's always a reason why a coach doesn't communicate. And if, if it's a couple of weeks, it's probably because they're busy with other things and there's nothing wrong with that. But again, that's why I say keep communicating with coaches regardless, because you want to keep that fire going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So Jeff, it's been great to have you here on the yeah. show and we're going to put uh, the links below to your website and your social media mm-hmm. information. I know you have a variety of resources there. Are there a couple things in mind that listeners can find if they go to your website and what, what can they check out there? Sure. Yeah, on the, I have a page under you know questions that, that parents ask. I have got an email template there that you can go grab that you can use and, and edit for you, for your own. When you go to use that connection email for like emails or, or Twitter DMs, you can use the content from there. There's a ton of information on my blog about a variety of things, not just the college athletic process, but just kind of even what it's like just being a college athlete in college. Got a lot of content there. And, you know, I've got different ways you can get a, get a hold of me and a couple of different ways that if you want some help, with uh, this process, I have a service that, that you can utilize either like a self-paced course or a partnership program that we can follow through. And if you want some help with that, you can go to the site and kind of contact me there. Excellent listeners. So if you're a, a parent or a coach or student athlete, and you are uh, looking into this process of, of how do you get access to the college level, um, there's a you know wealth of resources there. So check those out. Like I said, we'll put all the links below. And if you found this episode and this topic helpful, and you'd like more content like this, uh, send us a note, let us know. And as we plan future episodes and guests, you know, I sense that this is a critical topic that there's a lot to look into. So please let us know about that. Please also do subscribe to Sideline Sessions to hear all of our episodes with coaches from the youth level to the pros. Uh, We'll just continue to bring you those insights from across the sporting landscape and all the things that are going to help you as a coach or as a parent, if you're involved in youth and high school and amateur sports this is the place so please do that visit bpodcast.network learn about all of our shows everybody thank you for listening and jeff thanks so much for being on the show thanks for having me
This episode was edited by Gage Sanderson. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com forward slash BE.